Ah, yeah. It's the DTC Podcast, people. The Real McCoy. Original recipe. First in your ear hole podcast on dynasty trading and player values. Hosted by John Paul Hurley and Izzy Alcabas. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new season of the DTC Podcast. We got a great season started. This might be the best season, the best show that we've ever done for many reasons, one in particular, but we're going to kick things off. I'm one of your hosts, John Paul Hurley. Joining me, Izzy, the Pharaoh of Fantasy, Elkafoss. Izzy, what's new, man? It's been a while. What's up, dude? It has been a while, but it's worth the wait. I can't tell you how excited I am. Just the storylines behind this and the lead up to this, <laughs> you couldn't have scripted any better, to be honest with you. Yeah, we got... So everybody by now, like I know all of our listeners, all uh, 77 listeners are on the edge of their seats right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's a lot of listeners. They're all on the edge of their seats right now trying to figure out what the hell's going on. I'm just going to go ahead and introduce this man because he is a, he is a legend, in my opinion. Well, can, can you get people thinking that have been... They've been listening to the show for years. I mean, we started in 2015. And you in particular, Hurley, have had a favorite player. And yeah. you can explain later on here why he was your favorite player. And it's, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. And just kind of... You went through a little bit of a roller coaster in your <laughs> in your you know infatuation with this said player. Yeah. So you okay. can go ahead and talk about why this was like one of your favorite players. Well, here's what I'll do. For the OG listeners, they know that I'm known for two things. Number one, over the overuse of the word phenomenal. I, I overuse that word. Um, I can't stop. I don't know why. Maybe it's because of my lack of vernacular, although just saying that word alone probably redeems me. And the other thing that I'm known for is my love for the one and only Jonas Gray from the New England Patriots, also from uh, Notre Dame. Uh, And those two things together have uh, formed, as you you said, back in 2015, we actually formed our DTC um, uh, league. It's all employees for DTC. My team name is the Jonas Gray Phenomenals because those are the two things that I'm known for. Um, so it's kind of like the two staples in my podcasting career. Um, there, there have been several milestones, but none have exceeded those two. So the cat's out of the bag. Joining us on the DTC podcast, the beginning of the season, Jonas Gray. What is up, Jonas? Early, what's going on, Izzy? What's going on, man? Uh, what's nice up? to be here, fellas. Appreciate that. The pleasure's all ours. Yeah, we're excited. We we heard about this kind of coming a few weeks ago. Our producer, John Mosier, connected with a buddy. Greg of the Dead. Greg of the Dead. Greg of okay. the Dead, yeah. Longtime fan of the show. So, yeah, and so that makes sense then. Because Greg of the Dead knows the history of the show. He knows the history of Twitter. So he understands it. And here we are. Here we are. We've got uh, a great show planned. We've got lots of questions for you. We, um, Izzy, how do you want to kick this off? I got, uh, I I got some ideas. I kind of want to address the elephant in the room. Okay. So Hurley's been reeling from this for years, Jonas, and I don't know if you actually realize this or not, but Hurley was blocked by you on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) So we need to address it. It took a couple months of therapy for him to get over it. It's like Uh, lots of lots of crying Jordan gifts on my timeline. Yep. (laughs) So and Hurley, do you know what caused (laughs) <laughs> the elephant to be presented in this room. Do you remember the tweet that caused this? I, ha- I have all of my Jonas Gray tweets pulled up, and it took me uh, a few hours to get through them all. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I think I've narrowed down maybe which one it is. It was a, a tweet by a gentleman named Vance Meek, at Vance Meek. And his question was, who is your Mount Rushmore of favorite athletes? Mine is Jordan, Griffey, Barry Sanders, Eric Davis from the Reds. And then I quote tweeted him, and I said, Warren Moon, Hakeem Olajuwon, Jonas Gray, Jonas Gray again. And I think, <laughs> I honestly think, like, even though I'm, I was, like, you know, president of the fan club, I think, Jonas, I'm speaking for you, but I'm, I'm guessing maybe you probably thought it was satire um, and maybe kind of, like, t- t- you know, took it the wrong way and saw, like, your name mentioned twice on the Mount Rushmore. I went, look, I'm not kidding. Like, I like you. You're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know it's crazy. I actually I I have gone through times in my blog like just certain like just idiots where I'm like because that's you, Hurley. Th- th- there's a part <laughs> of me where I'm like I can immediately just respond back, and I know I'm like I'm pretty witty, so I can say something funny and just come back at people. Sometimes I'm just like I don't even have the time for it, so I just end up not saying anything. Yeah. But that particular tweet you're talking about, I don't even remember that. That would have been by mistake. I I had that done that by mistake. <laughs> I think you're going. I think you're going through a purge, Jonas. I think you're just going through a purge. Just- you know what? It was just. You know, I do every now and then go through like a social media audit, <laughs> and you could have ended up just in that audit of just me yeah. just scrolling. Yeah, through. frequently mentioning your name. <laughs> yeah. By the way, July. It was July sixth, two thousand sixteen, uh, a date that will live in infamy. <laughs> yes, I got. I gotta. I gotta unblock you on there. I gotta yeah, my- unblock you and follow you too right away. So shit. You will you'll be exposed <laughs> to all of my all of my tweets. Um, and since we're on the subject, maybe I will list off a couple of my favorite tweets that I found on my timeline. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Izzy, I, yours was always Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, um, Arian the, Foster, my two guys. Yep, Josh Gordon, Arian Foster were your guys. Those are two. Those are two studs. I used to watch a lot of Arian Foster. Oh, dude, he's the best. I used to just watch his film all the time because he always had that that one just, just that one cut upfield and it's a touchdown every time. Like the whole stretch of he was so good at mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Amazing. Great, great touchdown celebration, right? The best touchdown celebration, yeah. The bow. Even when he had a hamstring injury, he was still doing the bow. He stayed yeah. <laughs> he stayed hurt. Well he was doing the bow. I'm he like, did, he did. He's getting banged up I'm, right now. I'm yeah. pretty sure that his hamstring injuries were a result of all the bows, personally. That's just uh, that's just me, though. Uh, okay, here's one from November 5th, 2019. Tyler Gunthner from Dynasty Happy Hour tweeted, how would you build a perfect running back with today's current NFL running backs? And his answer was, power, Nick Chubb, speed, Philip Lindsay, acceleration, Delvin Cook, agility, Saquon Barkley, vision, Nick Chubb, pass catching, James White. What's yours? And you can obviously guess what mine was. Power Jonas Gray, speed Jonas Gray, acceleration Jonas <laughs> Gray. Let's go. And I think I I think I wrote biceps Jonas Gray. You know what? That actually is funny because that kind of like is I'm like the supreme back. I'm all that in one. And I'm telling you, when I was on the Patriots, they had a they always had a nickname for me. They called me Supreme because of that. They would say, "Hey man, he's fast. He can catch. He can run. Like he can do everything. the visions there." So you weren't you weren't too far. Off. I believe it. Yep, <laughs> I have it. I just, yep. I just, uh, I was there holding the torch. It's no problem. Um, here's a, here's a take. Let's see by Johnny Kinsley. Mine was, um, Jonas Gray was on pace, uh, to be a pro bowl running back in 2014. Is it 2015? I'm yeah. 2014. It's 14. 14, Yep. You're 100% right. Yeah. 
I mean, it wasn't. It was. It was. Uh, your breakout game was. It was uh, early in the season. It's only at November sixteenth. So plenty of time left, like five or six games, right? Hundred <laughs> percent Pro Bowl. So that that's my. Uh, those are my takes. I'm sticking to them. You know, it's so crazy. I had an opportunity to come back to the Pats. Oh. And I haven't even told this story to many people at all. Oh, exclusive <laughs> content. <laughs> and and it's funny because it's almost like a reverse in, in a way of why I decided to come to the Pats and why I decided to not come back. Um, mm-hmm. So like, it, so initially I came because it was like everybody was doubting the fact that I couldn't even compete with the Pats. Like I was just coming off the Baltimore Ravens practice squad and people were like, Dude, you're gonna go to the Patriots. Like that's a that's a pretty top, you know, top notch organization. It's gonna be tough to crack the lineup. So like I really wanted to go for that very reason because like I didn't mind at that point, like, you know, having to get it out the mud. You know what I mean? From from the bottom mm-hmm. up. Like I, I didn't mind like, you know, being around the best players. I, I did that at Notre Dame. But after I left the Dolphins, uh, it was in twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen. And Jay Ajayi was on the team and, you know, he had just came back from like short-term IR. And I knew once he was coming back, I was probably going to get released. So once he had came back from short-term IR um, and I had gotten released, I was like, I was going through a couple teams. And it was the Jags, the Saints, and the Patriots. And the Patriots had called my agent and they were like, you know, hey, we got a couple of transactions we got to make, but we want Jonas to come back here. And... But the, the kicker was they wanted me back on a practice squad for a week. Mm. And I'm just like, why would, why would I do that? Like, like knowing, you know, one knowing that the way they treat practice squad players, not that it's bad or anything like that, but it's a different with the Patriots organization. The practice mm-hmm. squad players are not only other teams that are lifting more. That's pretty much all you get. But with the Pats, they're practicing more, they're hitting more, they're staying after practice late. Like, you know what I mean? It's just a little bit of a dip. I'm like, by this point, I'm five years into the league. You know what I mean? I already been on this team, been one of the leaders of the team. So it was just like, Peter tried to come back on pride squad. Now, now, looking at it today, it's more widely acceptable, I guess, as a veteran to be on pride squad because they have those veteran spots open now. But just to think about it back then, it just it wouldn't have made any sense for me. So when I told them that I wasn't going to come back, I mean, my agent was on the phone with Nick Casario. And he said, like, he was, he went completely silent. He didn't say a word. <laughs> oh, no. And I end up, you know, I end up signing with the Jags. And the only reason why I did it, and one of the main reasons why I did it is because I, I knew I would be playing. That's all I was, all, that's all I cared about was just getting on the field. A chance, and back yeah. then, back then, it was like Toby Gerhardt was the running back. He had just gotten injured. Toby Gerhardt. Yeah, Stanford, right? Yeah, TJ Yeldon was the running back. He had just gotten injured mm-hmm. too. So like they had two injuries at running back, and like all they had at running back was Denard Robinson. So I'm just like, you know, I got three, four games to rack some yards up, you know what I mean? And uh and really, you know, hopefully get, you know, signed with a team in the offseason that I may want to go to and potentially start somewhere. You know what I mean? That's that was my mindset. Yep. And the Jazz was just don't even get me started on that. <laughs> started on <laughs> oh that. no. But Basically, you know, they, they basically used like the first two games when I got there as like an acclimation period. And then I only played in the next two games after that. So it was like, 
you know, hindsight looking on it is no telling that I could have probably went, went back to the pads and went on practice squad. And just like Hurley said, you never know. I could have led, led the league in rushing coming back. Yep. So it's, just, it's just, you know, one of those things, hindsight. But I had a chance to go back. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of like you look at the running back position specifically in Dynasty is one of those where it's it's hard to explain some of the the things that happen in the position. Like, so you were undrafted, I think it's 2012, right? Mm-hmm. 2012. And you get your chance with the with the Patriots week five, I think it was, was it week four or week five? I think week four, you got you got a bunch of carries, right? And then they're okay. And then you play the Colts and you get 37 carries to I think Shane Vereen was the other running back. And I think he had one. He had one carry that game. And Bill typically, or the Patriots, I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be Bill, but the Patriots typically don't feed the rock to one guy. But they gave you 37 cracks at it. And you're 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 rolling for the to the two and the two hundred and one or two hundred and four yards, something like that, and four touchdowns. Well, I got some comments on that. Is he, do you have a question? Like, are you leading go, towards a question? I was going to, but if you have something to, to go ahead. I, I do, and it's about that game specifically. And, and uh, Jonas, I don't know if you noticed this or remember this, but that game, your stat line ended up being 199 yards. Mm-hmm. And there was a stat correction the next day and gave you 200, but I'm seeing now in like uh, uh, pro football uh, stat archives, you're credited with uh, 201 yards for that game. So that's kind of an interesting. I, I do remember distinctly being 199, stat corrected to 200, but now it's now it shows 201. That's interesting. Nice. So I did not know that, Hurley. So l- let me ask you, Jonas. You you went from I think who's another running Jerome was it Jerome Harrison for Cleveland also kind of had like this monster game as an undrafted guy um, with the Browns. Yeah. And it's it's the only I feel like it's the only position where an undrafted free agent grinds his way, makes a team as successful as the Patriots are with the high expectation. Like the Patriots organization has always been known for you have to earn your role in that on that team. You earn it to the point where you get 37 carries and you rush for 200 yards, a very productive, productive game. And then you have to kind of work your way back into it. Like, how, how does that whole thing work from? From a dynasty perspective, so in dynasty, what happens is, and like this in fantasy, player goes crazy like this, buck wild in a game, and then everybody rushes to pick them up, and then they assume that they're now the guy. What happens Monday through next Saturday to identify, like, okay, why is Jonas not getting the rock in the next game? You know, you know, I, I think um, a lot of it is 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 what you said, Izzy. It's you know. It's organizationally. So first, it's like the Patriots. You know what I mean? They, um, especially offensively, um, back when you had Josh McDaniels, even when you had Bill O'Brien, they were really good at utilizing both the pass catching back and the power back. So a lot of that came with game planning. You know what I mean? So there were some games where you felt like, hey, this team's not going to let you run. You know what I mean? So we're going to be mostly in our, you know, our um, passing back offense that's mostly what yep. we're going to be in what's going to be in those packages where the passing backs going to be in there mostly most of the time so when you have like a, a specifically like an organization and an offense that is known for like having that role already carved out and like having both it is hard to try to pinpoint by that point 
you because you don't know what the game plan is going to be. You can kind of look at the team, you know, maybe you look at, uh, hey, this this particular defense, they never give up the run. Then you can already know right then and there, hey, that this Patriots offense, if they're going against a team that that is going to be able to stop the run, then they're going to be running a little bit different. They're going to be doing more stuff with the pass back, like a, like a Shane Varane, for example, or like a Danny Woodhead or something. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, but then you also have organizations where there's a guy that if he takes off, and you know what I mean, he has both the ability to play both the big back and the passing back, or he just is a big back. They, they'll they'll keep running that guy. Yeah, Arian's a great Arian, my favorite player, is a great example of that. He was uh a undrafted free agent. Alfred Blue, I think, was the running back at the time. He popped off and they and he made a career out of it. So do you think that your if if that you had that game with just about any other organization besides the Patriots, things play out differently? Like do you feel that way? One hundred percent. Interesting. I know almost like I, I think too that it was one of them things that like I, I felt like it, it was almost a situation where an, on another organization they would have saw me as like a like one of the best players on the team. Yeah. So they would they would almost been like we got to do more, you know what I mean to, yeah. to to support the guy, you know, or more to to put him a part of the offense. You know what I mean? We got to find ways to get him the ball more. Like that. That's why I think you know other teams would have definitely done. Jonas is one hundred percent. I'm a little bit north of that. So yeah, you're north one hundred percent positive. Yeah. 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 <laughs> seriously no doubt yeah yeah no it's it's a it's a i mean nfl is a crazy crazy thing with i mean there's coaching carousels and, and franchises change and the outlooks change and all that so it's crazy though is that you know even from the time i played to now like it's just more teams have adopted almost the patriot style uh you know both yeah. having the bruising back and the you know scat back but now even not even now it's more of like just all around scat backs. You know what I mean? You're even seeing less and less of the power backs. And the teams that, that still have the power backs, they usually are really relying on having a good power back because they're going to have a good offensive line. Yeah. Cleveland, Titans, Tennessee, Cleveland, Cleveland yeah. Tennessee, Detroit. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, so it, a lot of that also goes back with the online. Like you take, you take a team like the Chiefs, they have a good online, but they have no power backs. You know, I guess you can say, Pichacho is, is a power yeah. back, but I guess he's more of like a hard running back, hard, you know, hard down yeah. the heel back than he is a power back. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, almost, he's almost different than that. But So I think the league itself has kind of gotten away from that, and the league has also gotten away from just having one Bill Kyle back. You know, there's only maybe three or four Bill Kyles throughout the entire NFL, and a lot of right. it is really because of the fact that uh, in a lot of cases they're a lot better than their backup. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, and and like Pacheco, he he runs angry more than he is like a pure power back, right? Which is the differentiator. So it's a good segue because this is a question that I, I wanted to ask. And you're talking about nowadays the teams are going like the Patriots way, and I'll take it a step further. Running backs don't make it past the first contract very often, where they're the the guy, right? There's exceptions to that rule, but why is it that running backs a decade ago, two decades ago, we're getting 2,500 carries in their career, 2,000 plus carries in their career, multiple contracts, getting the ball. I mean, Eddie George made a career out of getting three yards of carry, right, for damn near a decade. 
Joe Mixon's doing that now. No, yeah, Joe, yeah, Joe Mixon's. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, what's changed? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think. Well, first, I mean, the offense has changed. You know, what I mean, it's it's they're relying more on the quarterback. Um, they're relying more on the quarterback to be both a high volume thrower and a high volume runner. Um, you know, both yeah. an efficient runner. So you're seeing more of that. You're seeing more of the running quarterbacks, and you're also seeing, um, like like we talked about, just those uh, those scat backs because a lot of teams, they want to utilize that one-on-one, you know, against a linebacker. You know, that, that you know, yeah. if you get a back like an Elvin Kamara against a linebacker, you want to try to utilize that as much as possible. But – you know, I think a lot of times, too, guys don't make it to the second contract a lot of times because of the competition. The competition and the fact that they, they're – like, you look at, like, an Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, the competition's so stiff between those two, even though they're both, like, really good backs. And it's like, they the, in the combo situation, they may keep Z. They, but at some point, you may think, like, oh, man, we may have to move on to the guy to keep Tony Pollard. You know what I mean? So yeah, sometimes yeah. you have a situation where it's like you're ready to move on because you feel like you have you, – you can trust – you trust your backup enough. You know what I mean? Where you yeah. Not only do you not have to give this guy a bunch of carries, but I don't have to give him a bunch of money either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's right. like, you know, it's a little bit of both of those things. So, and then you know, by you know, three, four years, uh, you look at some of these running backs. You know, sometimes a guy gets hurt in the third year, and then you you really expect them to break out, and then they just do okay, and then they finally have a great year just in that contract year, and then it's for you for a team. It's like, is that enough? For us yeah. to trust through your injury history, like a Miles Sanders, for example. He's a perfect example. He's like, do you do you trust a guy like that enough? But you're like, man, I got some really good backups. You know what I mean? We have, you know, a great offensive line. We got a, how much is that a part of his success? You know what I mean? The fact that we have such a great offense. You know what I mean? Um, and then we have, you know, so many like, you know, Game Gamewell's a really good backup. Boston Scott when he's got in, he's been really productive. You know what I mean? So. Um, I think it's a combination of all of those things. You know, competition is stiffer. You know, um, guys with the injury history, the the next guy up is really, you know, not that big of a drop off. You know what I mean? Yeah. You really don't. You really don't see a huge drop off. You know, you even think it's, it's kind of it's weird, even kind of crazy to think about. You you like like Carolina Panthers, for example. You have a Christian McCaffrey when he's there. And he's really productive and he's really good. You take them out, you kind of change your style of play. You put a Dante Foreman in there, he's almost just as productive in a different way. You know what I mean? So it's like a lot of times, they, and they were looking at it like, hey, we'd rather have the capital instead of having this guy who's a great asset. So sometimes you're weighing that. You know what I mean? Like, is it worth yeah. paying this guy all the money when we don't know if we're going to have him the whole season or he's not that much better than his backup? You know what I mean? So it's, it's always a lot of different things they're juggling. Uh, yeah. And then I think you, college backs are getting so much better now in college too. Yeah. And do you think if you're if you, let's say you're a GM, and and you may be biased, but would you draft a running back in the first round? No, absolutely not. And I and I have this argument with people all the time, and I'm like, for me to draft a guy at those high spots. So not only would I not draft one in the first round, but if it's like if I have to draft him in the late first round, I'd probably be able to get someone very comfortable in the second, or he may be there in the second or the third, or you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, right. I'm not so I'm really talking about for those lottery picks. You know what I mean? And I always think like, man, if a guy's a lottery pick, he needs to be like Adrian Peterson. 
And that's yeah. like the measuring stick. I always look at it like, you know, Todd Gurley had the one year where he really dominated. And so that was that was a good like, okay, that, that made sense that he went that high. Some of these guys, you see him go that high and just like, is he really yeah. like, they, they almost have to change the running back position to yeah. go that high. Like, it's got to be like, man, this guy is like, he's so dominant in this route running. Oh, this guy is so um, powerful and, hit, you know, running guy, running guys over, you know, look at his vision on the field. Like, oh, this, this guy jukes. Like, he almost got to be something that's like, he's literally changing the running back position. Like a Steph Curry in basketball. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, this guy's almost like a godsend to the sport. That's kind of how AP was. Like, he was so dominant in college. It was like, man, we can't wait to see this guy. And then he goes on run the four through eight. It's like, man, this guy's a specimen. And you just look at him like, okay, he's going to change the running back position. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and you've seen that with Christian McCaffrey and guys like that. Like, it makes sense when, when um, you know, if a guy I say is going to change the running back position and I feel good about the way he's taking care of his body off the field. You know yeah. what I mean? Those are the two things that if I'm a GM, I, I – Man, if I got it, like a, if Christian McCaffrey's coming out of Stafford and I'm here, oh man, this guy, he's always doing the right things with his body. He's stretching. I, I see him doing this. And, you know, I, I may think about taking that guy early because I feel like he's going to have good longevity too. So do you think the right now, the one on one in Dynasty is B. John Robinson, right? So everybody kind of was like tanking for B. John in a sense, the teams that weren't making the playoffs. Do you think B. John is transcendent? Or have you not watched enough of him to make that determination? You know, I have watched a lot of him. And um, to, to be completely honest, I don't see it. I always look for one of these, one of the, one of the major things I always look at, especially when it comes out of like as a dominant, like as a college running back that people say, you know, eh, man, like I'm really high on this guy. I always look at how did he play against top tier competition? Because a lot of times, it don't even matter if you ever go offensive line or not. If you're a good college running back, you're going to have some flashes of 30 yard run here. You're going to hurt somebody, or you're going to you're going to change the really the outcome of the game, and you go really affect the game. I didn't see that from him when he played against Alabama. I didn't see that in the in the bigger games where he should have just taken over. And I know a lot of that is game planning too. But mm-hmm. yes, he was consistent. But to me, it wasn't dominance. It wasn't yeah. consistent dominance. And that that's just what I'm looking for, especially a guy that Texas, especially a guy that comes with that type of hype. Like I almost need like a bunch of stuff to like come up. For me as a running back, like has played the position, I need to see a bunch of things that's like kind of confirm the hype for me. So you yeah, so you don't think it's enough, like because Bijan, they split him out wide. I mean, you can use him in all sorts of ways. You don't think that's enough to say, okay, maybe he wasn't dominant on the ground but if i could utilize this guy like a chess piece all over the board that to me might make it worth that selection in the first no no i know i think it it definitely is enough and i think you bring up a great point um it, it, but it, at the end of the day you always have to think about right away what, what type of offense is he going to and what the competition looks like at the, right. at the running back spot you know what i mean like if he ends up in houston you know what I mean? Let's just say, for example, you know, Houston trades back or, you know what I mean? They get right. back to the first, round. first yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they use their other first round pick on him or, um, yeah, or any of these teams. You know what I mean? Let's say, for instance, he goes in with some good competition. Somebody's either comparable to him or someone that does something different than him. 
you never know what game it's going to be for him to go off. It's going to be a lot of inconsistency. So I don't know if you can, like, it's something you can rely on from week to week. You know what I mean? Just like a Travis NTN. It took him some time to actually, like, he had a really good fantasy year, but it wasn't until, like, week eight. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it takes a little bit, you know, for guys to, you know, even Kenneth Walker, you know what I mean? Like, he was balancing competition, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, you may have been smart, um, because you drafted Kenneth Walker early, and he ended up turning out, you know, having a really good fantasy year. But a lot of that was because Rashad Penny got hurt. You know what I mean? So it's like you really gotta like, because if Rashad Penny wasn't got hurt, he was on he was on pace to have a really good year, and it was a contract yeah. year for him. So yeah. you never know how they could have turned out. You could have been looking like, man, I'm thinking Kenneth Walker is going to be a part of this offense a little bit more, and he, and he wasn't. You know, so you gotta uh, you really gotta figure out what offenses is he going to, and what competition he has at the position. Because he could end up going to. I mean, there's so many teams, and especially at that running back position. Like, you know where they haven't projected to go right now? There, I see him all over the board, and some of the some of them are weird. Like, I, I even see him mocked to the Chargers, and it's like, well. Get the Chargers, and you got Eckler still for another year. And it's like, well, yeah, I get it. You transition Eckler out, but that's the thing with running backs. It's like the most random shit happens. Like Derrick Henry to, to the Tennessee Titans when they had Demarco Murray, right? Right. It's like, how's that going to work? Right. So all this stuff is is just so random. All the mocks are so different. And, and it took Derrick Henry a couple of years to yeah. to finally you know get his footing going and. Yep. You know, at first, you know, for the first couple of seasons, people were trying to say he was a bust. You know what I mean? And yeah. so no, he's got a bust. Now he's gonna have a bust, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Freaking dominant, man. And, yeah. Um. So that's a guy that, like, his size and stuff. I'm like, man, he could change the running back position. Like, that's that. That to me, like, is a is a value pick at like top ten. If I'm if I'm drafting early, if I'm drafting a lottery top thirteen or something, like, yeah, I draft a guy like that. He's built different, like Kevin Durant. Just built different, yeah. hundred percent, unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get to I'll get to some other like running back questions, but Hurley, do you have anything that you wanted to get in here from a dynasty perspective or running back or just NFL perspective in general? Yeah, maybe. Um, before we get back into that stuff, I f- feel like uh, in intervals we should probably pause the show for another Jonas Gray tweet from uh, the past. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> December 20, 2019, at Dynasty Frank tweets, Gretzky was better at his sport than any other player was at their respective sports. Um, I quote tweeted it and said, this is disrespectful to Jonas Gray. <laughs> yep. <Hello. laughs> There's another one. You're on point with that one. <laughs> <laughs> there are many others. Um, but yeah, NFL, like NFL running back questions. I think those are those are pretty good ones. Uh, a lot of my questions kind of surrounded that um, the Belichick system and stuff. I don't know if we got like to a, a clear cut answer on why Belichick likes to avoid or why, why Belichick does that. And I think you said that that's become like kind of the carbon copy for other teams in the, in the NFL. Um, but I don't think we got to the bottom of, of why why that is. Is it a durability thing, do you think? Or is it just uh it all depends, you know what I mean? Especially it depends on the makeup of the team. Like this year, the best player on offense was Ramondre Stevenson. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like he's he was the bell cop. Both and and a lot of that had to do with injury, of course. Yeah, but Dame Harris when he was getting carries when he was there, like they were still it was like a sixty forty. 
Like, why isn't it 80-20? Why isn't it 90-10? Like, Ramondre's clearly better than, than Dame Harris. But not that much. And you want them to both to be fresh. You know okay. what I mean? Like, to have two good quality guys that both can stay fresh and hit a defense fresh, that, that's really what you want. You know what I mean? You want the defense to be filling two different guys and having a – because, I mean, Damian Harris – and that was the other thing, too. Damian Harris came in as a starter. So it wasn't like Ramondre did enough to take his position. So it was kind of like Damian was still being productive as a coach and as like an evaluator. You can't even say, okay, I, just with my eyes, it's telling me that Ramondre is better. But at the same time, it's, it's just like the Zeke and Tony Pollard situation. It's like yeah. our eyes are freaking telling us that Tony Pollard is better. It's like, man, Zeke is running his ass off, though. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. man, like – you need you it's like hey go ahead and give him a spell like, hey you need to get 10 carries hey you need to get this red zone touchdown because you, you're so dominant you know what i mean so it's a little bit of all of that um I, i'm more like i'm more in the easy corner though like I, I, it's frustrating not just from a fantasy football perspective obviously but it's like i remember izzy uh you've never heard the story you've known me for 20 plus years and i've never said this um uh playing basketball in high school i was a junior um, we had this one game against River Falls. It was like one of our rivals. They always just crushed us. Um, this one year we, we were having like a really good chemistry with our team and stuff like that. When I was a junior, I was playing, I was like sh- uh, shooting guard. Sometimes I'd, I'd rotate down to three, uh, small forward. I, w- I had this game. I was going off. I was hitting like, I, I think I hit six three pointers, um, almost in consecutive possessions. The coach sat me on the bench and like, I'm like, uh, I'm making everything. And like, kind of like need to do a heat check or something like that. Um, I, I ended up kind of getting back in later on, but like, I was frustrated that I was like, I was on fire. I was making everything and I'm sitting and I'm clearly like, um, helping the team. I, th- I feel like I can keep doing that. I feel like it's the same thing for every running back that just like, you know, cooking it up on the field. And then they, they kind of get taken out of uh rhythm a little bit by all this disjointed, you know, bring somebody else in thunder, whatever, the, whatever you want to call it, thunder and lightning scenario. Like, I feel like it's very, um, it really uh, interferes with the rhythm, and it's it's like sometimes you can see them in the field too. So that's it's just frustrating. No, you're 100 percent right, and it, 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 I think a lot of it really does root from durability, but it also is that just you, you want that different mix and match. You know what I mean? You you sometimes you just need that. Uh, you know, even like the Minnesota Vikings situation, you know, Delvin Cook and. Um, Madison, you know what I mean. You just you just need two different styles for for being a good offense. You know what mm-hmm. I mean. Just just in terms of being a good offense, and also you want to make sure that your quality backup is also getting quality reps. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. Just in case he 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 does become the main guy. You know what I mean. It's just yeah, like yeah. Christian McCaffrey was in there. I mean, he they they don't want to make him the bell cow guy, and a lot of that is obviously durability, but a lot yeah. of it too is because man, even I mentioned. He runs hard. He looks good. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's, a, it's a combination of that. So are you insinuating that in some cases, even though there's a clearly a better player, that the other running back still makes the better running back better just based on giving the defense different looks in some way? Like, So Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams for me, is the one that stands out. Like you watch Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams from four years ago, and I had put out a tweet that if you if you combined all of the best attributes of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, you'd have Aaron Jones. So it's like 
Aaron Jones to me is like he's clearly a better player. You can he looks like he's a better player. The advanced metrics suggest that he's just as good of a pass blocker as Jamal Williams. But Jamal Williams is still splitting carries with him and grinding out three yards a carry while Aaron Jones is at five. And it's consistently happening throughout the course of the season. So you're insinuating that Jamal Williams just kind of putting some of that pressure on that defense, just grinding out those yards, softens him up for Aaron Jones. Is that kind of what I'm reading into? Yeah. I, I, I mean, he, he softens it up for the for the game plan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just just in terms of the game plan itself. You know what I mean? But yeah, for Aaron Jones, but really for the game plan, we're just to run right. Aaron Jones. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's yeah. a little bit... It's a it's a little bit different, um, especially with that. I mean, yeah, like that that example is really good actually uh, with those two because it's like that guy's a clearly better. He's a lot better, but there's also parts of you know either you know Jamal Williams or AJ Dillon game that's like you want that to the defense to 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 know that that's there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to respect that there, respect that too. You know what I mean? So it's it's one of those things too. Yeah. Is Jamal Williams a teacher's pet, by the way? Because now he's in Detroit, right? And Swift is like Dan Campbell's obviously just this, he's this punchy in the face type of guy. And that's kind of what Jamal Williams is. And Swift is more of like, once again, you coming back to the durability. He's more of a finesse guy, even though he's got the size. And Jamal Williams is, you know, punchy in the face. So is Jamal Williams just like the greatest teacher's pet of all time? Where he's like the perfect you can he can do everything really well, but he doesn't do anything excellent. But he does exactly what's asked for him consistently every time. Oh, I like Jamal Williams. Yeah, I, I like Jamal Williams too. I think that a lot of it is just like dependability and trust. Yeah, just like you're saying, he's he's just like he's even all across the board. You know what to expect out of him. You know you know you know he's gonna run hard. You know he's gonna hit the hole. You know he's gonna try to run somebody over. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it's like you, you you know what to expect. With DeAndre Swift, he might be a little bit more of a wild card. You know, both through durability, both through you know, is he gonna see the field the same way? Is he gonna hit the hole the right way? He's a good bat. You know what I mean? But a lot of those same concerns through his inconsistency is the reason why like a Jamal Williams, you know, actually gets a lot of those carries. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, I was going to say, I think Jamal's got the intangible, like Jonas, you just mentioned, he's a funny character. I think Jamal's got those intangibles too. Like he's, he's got like this, the, this like buy-in from his team. Like he energizes his team. He's like, he's kind of a gamer. Um, Like he's just, he's kind of like a little bit excited. Like I think he just excites everybody. So may- maybe that's a big part of it too. That stuff's not on paper, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think too, he's on the right team because there's yeah. certain teams throughout the NFL some of the antics that he had, he wouldn't be able to. <laughs> like, just some of that stuff, even the stuff I seen from Hard Knocks, like the way he was cursing at the team, and like, just stuff like that. I'm like, so certain teams, that just wouldn't even fly. He lifts he lifts people's spirits, you know? Like, I, you see that. Uh, like, even, like, Hard Knocks, just your limited, exp- like, if he lifts spirits, you can't, there's not, like, a, a metric for that, you know? For sure, for sure. But some of that, I always, I'm, I'm always like, a little skeptical of when the guy that... <laughs> Went to went to BYU. I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm always uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little skeptical of those types. Hey, some will say the same about Notre Dame, though. So take it easy. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a dynasty question, quick. It's kind of dynasty and NFL related. All right. 
the last three number one running backs coming out of the league, or let's include Bijan into that. So this year, 2022, it was, was Brees. 2021, Jonathan Taylor. Put them in order. One, two, three. Oh, I'm going to go B. John 3, Jonathan Taylor 2, Brees Hall 1. And it's it's easy for you to put Brees 1. I, I Obviously, I think, too, like, I had an ACL injury, so I know I think Brees, Hall, Brees is going to come back. And I think he hurt it early enough in the season yeah. that he should be good. It's, it's going to take him a little bit. It will take him a little bit. Um, but, but hopefully he comes back, you know, at full strength. I think he's really good at doing both, catching the ball and running the ball. And I think just like his overall ability to make like the first guy miss. I always look at the make the first guy miss. Jonathan Taylor was really, really good at that, especially with break ta- breaking tackles and stuff like that. But this year he wasn't. And last year a little bit he wasn't. Like I can kind of see that falling off. Like the first guy brings him down too often. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where he's yeah. like he always makes that first guy miss. So mm-hmm. um and you know he's a he's a screen threat, he's a receiver receiving threat. Blitz protect, he runs hard, like and he's open field, like you, you may not catch him. You know what I mean? So I, that's why I, and I wasn't really even as high on, on Bruce Hall coming out. Um because I see I seen him against Notre Dame. I when Iowa State played Notre Dame, I seen him and Brock Purdy, and I, I wasn't impressed by either one of them. And <laughs> they end up both they end up both playing really well in the NFL. So that's why sometimes you can't always trust the college eyes. I know I was just talking about that with B John. When they played Notre Dame in the bowl game, Brees Hall didn't – he had a couple good runs here and there. Brock Purdy, you know, he didn't play really well at all. I didn't think he played good at all. So I'm like, you know, it's the same in the NFL. They're both, you know, really productive players. So you just – you never know what to, how to trust that sometimes, especially when they go against, like I said, the best competition. That's that's how I judge that sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you can't be wrong about that. You, uh, you segue to another conversation that's a really hot topic in Dynasty. And guys like us, we don't really understand what goes on behind closed doors. Draft capital is very important. Brock Purdy, Mr. Relevant, Trey Lance drafted on the first. You're putting your money on something going into next year. Who's the starting quarterback for San Francisco? Uh, Like, do, do politics play a big enough factor in saying, hey, we're paying this guy first round money? Or did Brock do enough to keep his job? Personally, I think it's pretty clear. No, no, no. No, I uh, one, I don't think I don't think uh, Brock Purdy did enough to keep his job at, at all, at all. I think a lot of the Eagles game kind of exposed a lot of wait. Some people had been maybe thinking, you know, let's see what's impression. But yeah, he got hurt though. I mean, so he didn't really get to get going, right? So he got hurt early. I think he completed three passes, then hurt his arm. Um, I, to me personally, I was I was not trusting Brock Purdy to to be the team like the Eagles, and and I wish we would have had a chance to see. But I, I just think that a lot of his yards, especially like his bigger yards, they just come from catch and run stuff. You know what I mean? Like if people really put pressure on him and they take away a Debo, you know what I mean? Teams with multiple good corners and multiple good DBs like a Philly. They take away Debo. They take away Kittle. And all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Like his two best catch and run guys outside of McCaffrey, you know, I think Kittle is a dominant catch and run player. So he gets the ball, nobody wants to tackle. Debo, same thing. Chris McCaffrey, same thing. So he can throw like little 10, 20 yard pass to these guys and then the turn in the 60 yard games. So yeah. like I really want to see 
going to be pressure against like a really good team, a really good defense. And I think the Eagles would have been a good test. That's why I'm like, I'm not all the way sold on him. I think it's too small with sample size and he wasn't really tested just yet. So you, if you were putting money down in Vegas, you'd bet that Trey Lance is week one starter next year. Oh, man, I just think it's tough because there's so many dynamics at play. The fact that this year they had so many issues at the quarterback position, they may try to bring all three of these guys back. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, we could have yeah. a situation where <laughs> in training camp we have Garoppolo, <laughs> we have yeah. Brock Purdy, and we have Trey Lance all still, like, competing for the spot. Let them all do it out. Yeah, so. I'm going to get an answer out of you. Gun to your head, Jonas. Doesn't have to be Trey Lance or Brock Purdy. I'm going to give you three options. I'm going to give you four options. We got Jimmy, Trey, Purdy, and a free agent quarterback. Who is the week one starter? Yeah. So free agent, Garoppolo, Trey, Purdy. Who's week one starter in San Fran? I'm going to say Brock Purdy. Okay. So you're going to go Brock Purdy. You think? Okay. If, if it goes to my head, I'm going to have to guess that it's him. But I will say this. I don't think Trey Lance, and I know he didn't look very good, um, the, the sample size that he was out there, and I know he still has a lot to learn. But to me, I just don't think he was given, like, the chance with a well-running machine like Brock Purdy yep. was. You know, and having Christian McCaffrey, and having Debo healthy. Like, even when Trey Lance was in there, Debo, was Debo even healthy in the beginning of the year? I, I don't feel like he was in a, a portion that Trey Lance was in there. Um, uh, and so it's – and I think, you know – Especially even with Kittle, like he didn't have Kittle or. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the team. It definitely wasn't. They definitely weren't. Yeah, humming the way that they were at the end of the season. You know, I, if I can get Kittle for five straight weeks, I can get Debo five straight weeks, and I get CMC for five straight weeks. We never know what we might get. Well, question, question for you guys. Yeah, I get, I get the C, uh, Christian McCaffrey thing. Uh, by the way, Debo Samuel did start the season off week one, so uh, we're good there. What was How Trey many games Lance's? Did he, yeah, because Trey Lance like. Even that first game, that was when they had the rain game that was yep. crazy raining. So, like, I don't yep. even count that one. Then the second game, like, something happened. People got hurt. Second game was the game that – well, Trey Lance got hurt right away. So it was the rain game, and then and then he got hurt at the beginning of, against the Seahawks. It's hard for me to really, like, just to give up on Trey Lance because I feel like that offense is, like – like, if you just look at, like, Shanahan wants to do – he looking over at the Eagles like, man, I want a running quarterback like a Jalen Hurts. Like, that's what he wants to do with his offense. He wants yeah. to have, like, yeah. Brock Purdy and Garoppolo, they don't really run the ball. So if Trey Lance can get his it together, I don't know, man, because it's, it's one of them things, man, like that you give – like, let's say Trey Lance could have came back later in the year, and not only did they have, like, an easier schedule when Brock Purdy took over, man, their defense was – well, well-oiled machine. You had all your best players playing really well. You had Kittle play some of his best games. He had some of his best games. Yeah. yeah. You 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 want to know what I would do if it was possible? I don't know, man. And this may sound weird, but Daniel Jones in San Fran would be kind of like the best of both worlds. You know he could run, and you know he's good enough. And John started getting rid of him, though. Well, they may – I mean – They're not. He's gonna hit the market. I mean, he's gonna hit the market, right? Yeah, he he had his best year. The Daniel Jones situation is almost the same as Jared Goff. 
when these quarterbacks have their best years, these coaches and these staff, they get cocky. They're like, man, we can win a Super Bowl with this guy. Yeah, we turned him around, yeah. Yeah, like we can. We don't need to go out and spend some capital doing this. We don't need to go out and bring a new guy or bring the culture and mess something up. You look at like, you know, like Jared Goff, you know what I mean? Like they had the number one offense. So it's like, you're going to keep that guy. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Dan Jones had his best career with Dayball and with that offense. Only thing that kind of would maybe, you know, um, possibly send Daniel Jones somewhere else is if that OC got a job somewhere else as a head man. But yeah. other than that, I, I really, uh, I don't see them trying to get you think they're going to resign him? Yeah, because especially that running ability. He has yeah. something that a lot of quarterbacks don't even have. He has good athleticism, and I think they're going to use that more next year. And I think that, given the fact that Daniel Jones basically had nothing to work with all year at receiver, they're more thinking of, man, let's build around him now that we finally got him going. Like, we fixed him. So now let's fix him more by bringing him some better players. Before we, before we uh, sunset this episode, let's just uh, throw another tweet in there. Um, December 9th, 2020, Nick Whalen tweets out the most overused or misused terms in the dynasty industry or the fantasy industry is the term goat and the term elite. I, uh, replied to his tweet. And I said, I'm going to invent a new term goat elite, and it's only reserved for Jonas Gray. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Izzy, what is the, uh, what is the final question of the podcast for, uh, for this episode here? And I got I got one more thing to add at the very end too. Okay. Rumor has it. Okay, and I was waiting for you to say it, but you didn't. So I'm gonna have to ask you directly. Mm-hmm. Jonas Gray goes for 201 yards, four touchdowns. Rumor has it you got turned up that night and you missed the team meeting the next day. True or false? You know what? Um that is actually true. Oh, but, but not like in the sense that like, oh, you turned up, passed out. No, no, no. I went <laughs> out the night before I still made it home. Yeah. And like literally my phone still died. Like that actually happened. So it was, like, oh, okay, so it was worth celebrating. Died. That was worth celebrating. I, I, uh, I fully support that. And, and that was the other thing too. Like I ended up not like, I didn't like actually go out. I actually went out on a double date with another teammate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. it was like. So it's not bottle service and going crazy. You know, right. We went out um, to like a little underground, low key spot. Like it wasn't even because if I would have been turned up like at one of the clubs, they would have it would it would have came out. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It was like a little low key spot. Yeah. Um, but it's it still, I I end up literally it was one of those situations where like I still should have made it to the meeting it was if, if it wasn't for my phone like that wasn't like an out of the ordinary thing for me to be turned up or so even that, that was just a coincidence it, it could have happened on, on any, any day, day. On, on any get on any given day and i mean it it happened to other guys on the team yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying like in and just he didn't react the same way um you know it happened to revis you know he came late to a meeting you know what i mean yeah. and bill sent him home you know what i mean he set him off like a quarter or something and yeah, there's no there's no gray area for Belichick, is there on that on that subject matter? You know what though, because it's that's what I'm saying. I played like over a decade ago. You know what I'm saying? Like damn near like with Belichick. So it's like uh, <laughs> he's he's completely changed. He knew that he had to be more. Powerful. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like he knows that like you know t- today's 
NFL player and today's athlete is not the same one. You know what I mean? Like before he used to be like, stay off Instagram. You know, now his fiance has an Instagram. You know what I mean? That he goes <laughs> on sometimes. You know what I mean? Like it's just a whole different like dynamic. Like I would have never thought in the past he would have had a Cam Newton on the team. Cam Newton would have never fit the culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when we were trying to build, like even having the Jalen Mills on the team and guys like different hair and I don't even think Bill would even pick guys up like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and yeah. that's like, he really had like, um, and, and that's the other thing. Like, it's known, it was especially known back then. And some of it came out a little bit throughout the process of, you know, Bill trying to reinvent himself and trying to, you know, reinvent the team. Um, that it just not only was it not a player friendly environment, but the veterans, a lot of veterans don't want to go there. You know, you heard Matthew Stafford like, trade me anywhere but New England. You know what I mean? Like I was, I, I was there when Reggie Wayne was on the team and he had did a training camp and they had him like going at the end of practice, like running laps. He was just like, I couldn't believe we're doing all of this. Like he retired after <laughs> that. Same thing with Eric Decker. Like same thing. Like I can go down the list of like veterans that have come in Wingwood thinking, I'm going to come here and win a ring at the end when it's like, oh, the culture is just so different. Even, I mean, then, you know what I mean? And, and now, I think it's a little it's a little bit more loose, but I think in a way, Bill probably he probably thinks it's too loose, and that's why they you know miss lose some games late in the you know what I mean late when they should or the bonehead play like you know with uh Andre Stevenson did tossing the ball you know what I mean I don't I'm t- I still do not blame Jacoby Myers for that <laughs> no no that was. I, I, I I don't know. A lot of people in that situation may have thrown that ball too, because you don't even know what's going on. You're just like you're blocking, and all of a sudden somebody's running and they throw the ball to you. You're just like, <laughs> am I supposed to be throwing? <laughs> and then you think the smartest thing I'm going to do is I'm going to throw to somebody where there's no one there at all. That's what he was thinking. I'm going to throw somewhere where there's nobody even there, and you threw it right with Chandler could catch it. <laughs> oh no! So. You played with um, what some will call the GOAT. Is Tom Brady the GOAT, or has he just been blessed with the best situations in a career? He's the GOAT. Come on. Hey, just let the man think for a second. No, he, he's the GOAT. I mean, okay, it's, so- it's, I think he, he's been blessed with a lot of great situations, but he's also you also got to do something with those situations. Not only has there been times where like he's been relied on as the best player, mm-hmm. there's also been times where he hasn't played as well and had to rely on other things to happen for him, whether it be a good mm-hmm. defense, whether it be, but that's the thing. Like there are times where you're like, who's the MVP to lead. You know what I mean? Like he's the best player. He's playing really well. Like, so that's how I know. I know that it's, it's talent based. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, it's not just situation. You know what I yeah. mean? And then to go do it somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like that to me is talent, the longevity, the consistency. You know, he he's one of them players that like you, you almost have to call him the GOAT because of like what I talked about. Like he's he's mm-hmm. completely changed the way that people as even as athletes see the game. Like all the yeah. athletes want to have this holistic routine because of time. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Jonas, my final question. Who is the best player 
can be offense, preferably offensively, that didn't make it in terms of just he was in the league, just did not have. If you were to put money on it, be like, dude, this dude's gonna be insane, and he never made it. Is there anybody like that? You're like, how did that dude not not make it? That's a very very good question. That, that's tough because a lot of times when you play with those guys, a lot of times it's pretty much most of the time that they hit. You don't you yeah. too many times where it's like, man, I can't believe because you you kind of have an idea of why they did hit, whether it was the work ethic, whether it was yeah, yeah. So let, let's go with that. Like talent that's just insanely good talent, but just did not did not want to show up, like did not want to put in the time. Like or like a like what Josh Gordon did, like maybe not Josh. Josh Gordon's a pretty good example of like a guy that if he would have dedicated and kept in the straight and narrow, dude, this dude would have been insanely good. Do you, is there anybody like that for you that you had played with? That like, dude, if that guy would have just put in the time, he would have been legit. You know what? Yeah, I mean, I and, and he did have a decent career, and I think, yeah, I I, I think I'd say. Um, I don't even know his name. I don't even know how to say his first name. But Kamiche Osimile. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just one of the guys that I can remember that I played with him in uh, Baltimore with the Ravens. And he was such a dominant offensive lineman. And in that time, on the Ravens team, they had Terrell Suggs, they had Haloti Nada, they had, um, who else did they have? Uh, Marcus Spears is on that team. Chris Canty, uh, Dumerville. Like, that was a really good D line, and and one on ones he would destroy all those guys. He was that like dominant of a player. Like, yeah. and I just remember saying to myself like, and and it, Marshall Yonder was on that team too. And I remember Marshall was such a good player. And I remember saying to myself, KO is better than Marshall Yonder. And I loved Marshall. He was such a great guy, and a great player. I'm like. Dude, it's not even. It's not even. It's night and day. Not even close. Dude, KO yeah. is like one of them guys. Like <laughs> he was just crazy, athletic, and strong. And there's just he could pass off in run block. There's just no way that guy shouldn't still be in the league right now. And like almost to the level of Zach Martin. Like I play with Zach Martin, and, and I'm like KO's. He's 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 right there with him. And I just can't even believe that like. To see their careers both kind of go different ways, almost. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Kale still yeah. had a pretty good career. He, you know, made some money. He, you know what I mean? And so I think he's still trying to get back in the league now, but uh, certainly not the career that I thought he would have had. Um, let me think of anyone else. Uh, I was hoping you'd say. I was hoping you'd say like, uh, I don't know, who was the Chad Jackson? Was the you didn't play with Chad Jackson though? He's before your time because he was Bill Belichick kept taking. R- rookie uh, Moser knows receiver after receiver. He could not draft a receiver for the life of him. He still to this day can't draft a receiver. Aaron Dobson was probably around your time too, maybe a little bit before. No, Dobson was my my time. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Just can't he can't draft a receiver, man. Save his life. Yeah, I, I was surprised go. to see some of those guys not stick, but uh, I think that had something to do too with just the culture of New England. They just thought they could just plug anybody in. Yeah, you know what I mean. Especially once Tom has some success with that year, especially when he has success with it. Um, uh, KT, Kim, Kimbrough Tompkins, and Aaron yeah. Johnson. Like the fact that he had success, like you know, with with that crew of receivers with Edelman and Brandon. Lefeu. To be fair, Kimbrough Tompkins was only 
he was only preseason. Like he he was insane in the preseason. <laughs> just did absolutely nothing when the lights came on. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, the painful memories of Ken Burrell Tompkins. Ken Burrell Tompkins, dude, he was getting traded for first round dynasty picks. There's, another, there's a lot of receivers, man. Like another one, uh, Josh Boyce. Always thought, man. Yeah, was he TCU? No. Yeah, he was at TCU. Was he TCU? He's so good in college. I had a chance to play with him in New England. I'm like, man, this guy is phenomenal. I just couldn't believe he never got a, a real shot. Yeah. TCU, Dan and Josh Boyce. There you go. What's up, Hurley? Do you have a question or are we wrapping up? We got to wrap this up. I do have one last uh, little little bit of a cliffhanger, like a surprise, like a reveal almost uh, to wrap this thing up. I'm going to give everybody the our Twitter handle so they can check us out on Twitter. Uh, and then we'll be back again to talk more Dynasty as this uh, offseason continues. But uh, the big reveal is uh, early on I mentioned that I've got a, a team name in the DTC Championship League called uh, the Jonas Gray Phenomenals. And uh, <clears throat> many of you may be wondering how that team performed this year with a name like that. That team won the championship. Izzy, did it not? Let's go. It did. It did. It, it, it did. It finally won the championship. <laughs> and to be, to be honest, we tell you the truth, Hurley. Jonas has been trying to get on the show for years. And we said not until the Jonas Gray Phenomenals win the DTC championship. Let's they go. It down. 14, yep, 14 teams, super flex, not a very easy league to win. Uh, super fun one. Uh, all DTC guys uh, took her down. You guys don't, have, you guys don't have a belt or a trophy? Or y'all don't have anything after all these dynasty years? I know. I probably got to, we'll probably have to do something now. Uh, I'll like do something myself. Mike. Yeah, there you go. That's not a bad idea. There you have it, you guys. Uh, appreciate you tuning in again to a brand new season of the DTC podcast. Hopefully, you tune back in again. Uh, follow us all on Twitter. You can follow the main handle at FF Dynasty Trades to look for podcast tweets, anything new and upcoming. I can be found on Twitter at FF Hercules. The producer, Jonathan Mosier, is at DTC underscore John Mosier. Izzy is at DTC underscore Izzy E. And Jonas Gray, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to go off memory. I think it's uh, at J Gray underscore ND25. Am I not right? You know, I just changed it. No, I'm just joking. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Jonas Gray, thanks for joining, man. Hope to have you again real soon here. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Bye. Appreciate you guys.